0: The spiritual definition that we've come up with is it is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So when we're talking about these guardrails, we're not talking about going into a big ditch of sin. We're not talking about just blowing your life. We're talking about having some guardrails in your life so that if you would, if you would bump into those guardrails... You would feel, you would feel your conscience being pricked before you had to go into a, some kind of major catastrophe. I don't know about you. I want to know before I get there. I want there to be some safeguards before I get there to keep me from going all the way through. I, I remember one of the most ominous signs I ever saw was a sign when uh, when I went to... How many have ever been to Niagara Falls? You ever been to Niagara Falls? Niagara Falls, pictures don't do it justice. I mean, it, you can't watch a video of it. Just to feel the power of that water, hear the sound, feel the mist as it hits you, it's unbelievable. But if you go above the falls to the river, the river that flows, that, that goes over the falls, and of course when you're there you hear all kinds of stories about people who went over in barrels and, and made it, and people that survived. Of course, a lot of people have died at the falls. But there was a sign on the river I never forgot that's, that, that was called the point of no return. The point of no return. I've, I've heard that expression before, but i would never seen it in this context. But But what that sign was, and the guide explained it to us, the point of no return means there has never been a boat that has gone past that point that has not gone over the falls. And it's not right at the falls, it's it's before you get to the falls. So all that to say we can be in trouble before we're in big trouble. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, and so and so the idea is that how close can we get to sin, and people don't usually ask it that way, they don't usually say, well, how close can I get to sin? What they'll usually say is something like this, pastor, is this a sin? Is this a sin or is this particular thing a sin? And I will say, if we're asking that question, it probably means we're too close to the falls. The better question should be, what are the guardrails that I could or should put up in my life? that will keep me from catastrophe, keep me from going over the edge. Now, all of us here, your greatest regret, the thing that you're maybe most ashamed of, maybe one of your worst life moments, if you look back at them and you're honest, probably all of them are a result of the fact that you didn't have a guardrail in your life to sort of protect you from that moment. God's people said amen. We all have the scars, we all have the bruises uh, to show for times in our lives where if we had had guardrails that were there, it could have saved us years, it could have saved us months, it could have saved us a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble. But today I want to talk about guardrails in one specific way, and that is I want to talk about guardrails related to friendship. Friendship. Guardrails related to friendship. Now, your next slide, I think there's a sign, uh, a, a sign uh, that's uh, what we call a divided highway sign. In your friendship group, there will be some people in your friendship group that their lives are moving in an opposite direction of the way that your life is moving. There are people who are in our friendship group and and we all have them, and and, um, and and this is kind of. By the way, this is kind of a, a nuanced um, uh, thing I'm trying to explain here because, you know, just the easy black and white answer is just don't be friends with anybody whose lives are going in a different direction than you are. Well, I can't really say that because Jesus was called a friend of a friend of sinners, right? So he had friends who were going, his life was, go, their lives were going in a different direction than he was. But because there are people in our friendship group that their lives are going in a different direction than, than, than ours is, we really need to have some guardrails in our lives to protect us from potentially dangerous situations that we can get involved with in friends. Can I just say this morning that your friendship group, I can't even emphasize this enough, your friendship group has the potential of greatly enhancing or destroying your life. Absolutely. Uh, and and by the way, our, our culture doesn't help us with these. And we talked about this last week. Our culture baits us into doing things that we shouldn't do, and then chastising us once we do them. I mean, I mean, it wants us to be excessive about drinking. Drink, 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 and then they'll say at the end, drink responsibly. And then if you do, man, all the the the, the long arm of the law is going to come down to to make. But but they'll bait us into it. All of these advertisements about gambling, you know, if you just come to this casino, do it, do it, do it, and then they'll have a line on there that says, uh, no one to stop before you start. Really? That's not really helpful. That's not really helpful. No when to say when. Well, when should I say when? Usually if you're like on your third drink in, you're probably not, you're probably thinking, you know, I don't think this is when. I don't think this is the way, so in other words, before you, before you get involved, what are, what are those guardrails that you know that, boy, it's just not gonna be good for me? And we even talked about this last week. My guardrails are probably not going to be the same as your guardrails. Uh, I don't want to get too theologically complex with you, but the Apostle Paul talks about the sin that does so easily beset us is a a little phrase he uses, and and a a way of describing that is besetting sins. Each of us us have these areas in our lives that tend to repeatedly trip us up. Like, Like I got a weak spot and the devil knows my weak spot i got a couple of them i'm sure and 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 the devil knows those weak spots and and paul calls that the sin that does so easily be set the one that's just you are just a, you're just a sucker for that one you just seem to fall for that one every time and 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 mine you might say well, what's wrong with you phil i mean i don't have any problem with that in my life but you got an area that might be different than my area, and that becomes a real area for you. Back in the old day, we would call this convictions, having a having a, a spiritual conviction. You, you know that that there's something in my conscience that goes crazy, something inside of me that goes wah 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 wah. You know, trouble ahead. You are are nearing the point of no return. And by the way, one thing we said about guardrails, guardrails are not set in the dangerous area. They are set back from the dangerous area. You don't put the guardrail in the ditch because then if you get to it, it's too late. You want it set back from the dangerous area. Your friends will greatly affect the quality and direction of your life. In fact, your friends may determine the quality and direction of your life. I've heard Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands say this statement. It really stuck with me. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. If you'll show me the friends that are that are really influencing you, I'll show you your future. What well, do you say then? then let's just make sure that I meet all my friends at church. I'd like to say that making your friend at church would be the guarantee that that's the right friend. Just because you are in a garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you're in a church doesn't make you the right friend. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'll send them to Christian school because at Christian school, nothing bad could ever happen there. I'm just saying, parents, we've got to be very careful with our kids about who their friends are. And, and you know we used to we used to be just really good at spying on our kids, you know, and and making making sure that they were that they were with. Them. There's a there's a day when they're going to get to choose on their own their friends and all that. But but if we, but we as parents and uh, it just behooves us to have guardrails for our families. And I know our culture says it doesn't matter who you hang with or what you do, but I'm just saying that's a disaster. We need guardrails. Amen. We are repelled, now listen, this is really good stuff here. We are repelled by rejection, and we are attracted to acceptance, all of us. We are repelled by rejection, and we are attracted to acceptance. So the people that, and and, and so here, here, and this, if you're taking notes, this is a good thing to write down, acceptance leads to influence, acceptance leads to influence. Those who accept us, those who who unconditionally accept us, they have a great potential to influence our lives. You don't have to raise your hand, but probably the first cigarette you ever smoked was with somebody. People, people People that accept us tend to have influence in our lives. Can I just stop right here and say, this is really why it's so important that as a church we have a very accepting environment. That doesn't mean that we don't think that there's sin or the things that aren't wrong and all that kind of stuff, but what we want to say at church is I don't care what you've done, where you've been, what your background is, you're loved and accepted here just as you are. God takes us all just as we are, and he takes us where we need to be. Amen? But when they come into our doors, we need to be completely accepting of people. There are no perfect people in this church. If you're perfect, you're not going to fit in this place. There just has to be that kind of acceptance that no matter who walks in these doors, what their history is, that they don't feel like they're looked down their nose at, by, by how they're dressed or or what they've been through or what they've experienced, because acceptance leads to influence. And, and let me just be careful, because some of you are going to misunderstand me. Acceptance and approval are not the same thing. There, there, There's some things, you know, in my own life I don't even approve of. In other words, there's some things that I'm still in process. I'm not... I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. You know what I'm saying? So, so acceptance, this doesn't mean that anything goes and that and that everything's approved of, but it means that I don't care where you're at on your journey. I don't care if you're in the ditch or where you're at. You're just accepted, period. And can I just say that this culture that we're living in today, the messaging that they are sending to our I will say, our young people, our old people, to everybody, is a messaging of acceptance. Just, just coexist. That's that's the, that's kind of the mantra of our of our society. You know, you do your way, I'll do it my way. Total acceptance. Can I just say that that's the messaging? But not everyone who accepts you today will accept you tomorrow. Just because those friends in the world look like they're so accepting today. We all know the story of the prodigal son. They accepted that prodigal unconditionally as long as he had the money. And when his resources were gone, suddenly those friends that were so accepting, they were were no longer accepting anymore. And so we all see this. We all see that people will just completely change. They'll change their values. They'll change what they believe. They'll change anything because they are so hungry for acceptance. They'll move to the city. They'll go off to college. They'll do this. They'll do that. And suddenly, it just feels like it's unrecognizable. Well, what happened? They got in an environment of acceptance, and that acceptance led to influence. And so we see people completely change their values. We all know it's true, don't we? We all know. Everybody, am I telling the truth this morning? It, 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 we all know this to be true. It's true in our own lives. But, but probably no one ever said it in a better way than the wisest man that ever lived. And here's how he said this principle in Proverbs thirteen 20. First he makes a promise and then he gives a warning. The promise is this. Walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. And now we almost expect it to say, and a companion of fool will be a fool, but it doesn't say that. Walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, you don't have to become a fool to be harmed. You can just be a companion of a fool. You can just be in too close of proximity to someone who is a fool. And even if if you're not doing the foolish things that this foolish person is doing, you can and you will suffer harm. That's good preaching. I'm going to write that down. companion of the wise will be wise. What, what am I saying there? I'm saying that wisdom isn't really about studying a bunch of books and everything. Wisdom is contagious. Wisdom comes, around, comes along by hanging around with wise people. I think all of us would say about Judy who just passed away, Now, wow, there was a wise woman. There was a wise woman. It would behoove you to spend time with people like that. People whose lives are going in a direction that you want your direction to that you want your life, uh, Dr. Dobson said it this way one time. People learn more by what is caught than what is taught. We just catch things by by who we 're with and we and we gain mannerisms and we watch the way that people respond to certain situations. We notice that they didn't they didn 't just crash when when something bad happened, uh, and and we noticed that, and and, and it's not like we took notes, but just by being around that person, that begins to have an influence on us. And so we defend ourselves by saying, well, listen, I'm not going to become a fool just because this person, and I know my friend's a fool, and I'm not going to become like them. I'm not going to do what they do. But Solomon says, Solomon says, you can be harmed just by being in the company of the fool. You were there when the fool got busted. You were there when the fool was driving his car and you ended up in the hospital even though you weren't being the fool. There's something that we call collateral damage. Terrorists will surround themselves with with children and 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 women, so that when drones are going overhead, maybe they won't, maybe they won't, uh, maybe they won't bomb them. But sometimes when they do, what happens is what's called ter- the, the person that got killed was not a terrorist, but they were too close. They were collateral damage. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? What's a fool? A fool is a person who knows the difference between right and wrong and just doesn't care. Uh, A fool is a person who says, this will harm me, yeah, so what? A fool doesn't make the connections between their actions and consequences that are to follow. Um, And so it's really important who we spend our time with. All of, us, all of us have seen this. some of you right now are thinking pastor i, I don 't think what you 're saying is very compassionate you see because because I love these people and I want to be a good influence on these people and i 'm not about to i 'm not about to uh be careful about being with these people because these people need somebody. Part of my Christian duty in fact is to just hang with these people because because no christians. No Christians really accept them, and and I and I get that, and I understand that, and and I just want to say, hold on to that thought, and then let me come back to that later, and just listen to me as I as I suggest some guardrails that you might want to put in your life when it comes in this area of friendship, because we're going to talk when I get to the end of the message about compassion and wisdom. The, the, those two are not. They're not mutually exclusive. We can be compassionate and wise at the same time. What's a good guardrail? Here's some some guardrails I'm going to suggest this morning. And if these don't apply to you, that's fine. Come up with your own. But we've got to have some guardrails when it comes to this friendship thing. One is you realize your friends are not headed in the same spiritual direction as you are. If you notice that your core friendship group does not care about the things that you care about, if you notice that your core group of people, your posse, your homies, your your your, your companions, if those guys are not headed in the same direction as you, there ought to be something in your conscience that goes off that says, "Wah wah 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 wah." I, I'm in a dangerous area here. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking, you know, back to the Jesus thing. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus was absolutely a friend of sinners. But can I tell you this morning that his core group, his posse, his homies, his disciples were people that were committed to heading in the same direction that he was. He went out and made friends. He made friends with people who were who were not believers, not heading the same direction. He had compassion on them. He did all of those things. But his core group, in fact, you could say the 12, and then you could even narrow it down there. There were three that were even more core than core. Peter, James, and John. They were There's buds, and then there's best buds. You know, th- these guys were, these guys, you know, he shared even more of his heart with. Then he did the other 12. Then he even threw in Judas for a token. (laughs) But his main core group were heading the same direction. I'm not saying that you're doing anything wrong, but my conscience feels bad because my closest friends don't care about what's most important to me. Another guardrail is you catch yourself pretending to be somebody that you're not. When I'm with these people, I act differently. When I'm with these people, I can't be my real self. And we even, we even know, our spouses may say, hey, when you're with them, you're just different. When you're with them, you don't act the same way that you act as when you're with other people. If there's something in there that when you are with certain people, you have to pretend there ought to be something in your conscience that goes off. Wah, wah, wa. Can I just be transparent and say that I bump into this guardrail myself? I'll tell you one place that I do it. I do it when I'm Uber driving occasionally. Occasionally, when I'm Uber driving, I'll have people that are in the car or whatever, and they very quickly get involved in conversations that are not part of my normal conversation um, pattern as a pastor or whatever, and talk about what they're doing and blah blah blah. And by the way, I have no judgment on that. I, I really don't. What I, when I don't pick, I don't, I'm not snooty about that or anything about that. But so, but this will be going on, and then inevitably they'll say, "Have you always lived in Knoxville?" No. Well, why did you move to Knoxville? I got a choice now. Hmm. I really like the Smoky Mountains. That's a good. That's true. But there's times when I'll find myself avoiding the fact that I don't want to say I came here to pastor a church in North Knoxville. What do you do for a living? I sell vacations. It's true. But there might be times when I just don't... And by the way, what's happening there is people are playing on our insecurities and they're playing on our insecurities and when they play on those insecurities... So so when I find myself not wanting to tell people what I really do or who I really am or why I really moved to Knoxville and that happens to me. I, I, I have that... I have that... Oh, man, that boy, I'm going to be the killjoy in this car right now, you know? <laughs> and, and by the way, I don't advertise to everybody that I'm a pastor. I, and I don't think I have to tell everybody that I'm a pastor and all that. But if I find myself sort of like being ashamed of it or, or, being, or being not wanting to, to tell, that's a problem. And, and that's a little guardrail. And and when I'm doing well, I just kind of bump right through it and say, yeah, I pastor church. And and it's it's amazing sometimes, though, how that will completely change the conversation. And those folks that were so confident and joyous about what they were about doing, it's brought up some really honest conversations about, wow, I really don't have it together. And we've had some really, really intense and great conversations as a result. But I've got to be very careful because there's times I don't really want people to know, you know next month i 'm going on a cruise that 's one thing I hate on a cruise. You know when the people across the table find out you 're a preacher it 's like oh my goodness you know i don 't want them, want them to know because because i don 't want them to feel like the whole time that they 're there they 've got to they 've got to guard their conversation but what i 'm saying is if there's a if there 's something in me that doesn 't want to do it just because and and I know are, but, but, if, but if you want to hide your faith, if you want to hide your character, if you want to hide who you really are, if you want to hide your values, that's a, that's a dangerous situation. Another one is if you feel pressure to compromise. Another way of saying this is, is if, if you're tempted... W- w- um, what you've never been tempted to do before suddenly becomes a live option. I'm not saying that you're doing it but that you're even considering doing something that 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 before was never a live option for you that uh that should really be something that makes something go off inside of you and we all know people that that used to not they, they would never consider doing the things that they do now but but they've but they've blasted through so many guardrails and now what they've been tempted to do before Uh, now becomes a live option i'm not saying that you're doing it i'm saying i'm not saying when you do it that's when that's when the alarm i'm saying when you consider doing it that's when the alarm should go off that's when the guardrail should go off how about this one you hear yourself say i'll go but i won't participate i'll go but i won't participate It's not necessarily that you do what they do, but that you're with them when you do it. The companion of fools will suffer harm, Solomon says. Even if you're not doing what they're doing, if you're in that, if you're in that group long enough, you will suffer harm. By the way, this is why life groups, small groups, are so important. To us at the church. We need we all need times when we're not sitting in rows and we're sitting in circles. And we're sitting in circles with a group of friends who are all trying to head in a a similar direction, that our lives are trying to head in a similar direction. To me, the topic that you're studying is not even as important as the fact that you're making connections and that you're making friends and that you're developing relationships with people who are trying to head the same value or the same direction that you and your family, and that have similar values. Or here's the last one I want to share. You hope the people you care about most won't find out where you've been or who you've been with. A a really good guardrail for you is, um, how would I feel if uh, one of our elders knew I was there? What if if Coy knew what I was doing? And not not that I would have to defend what I was doing, because I wasn't even doing anything wrong. But if it would make me uncomfortable to know that somebody that I respect, uh, you know, I I remember uh, an incident one time in my life that I thought, oh man, my dad found out. I respect my dad immensely. But just if it would make me uncomfortable that my dad knew, that somebody that I care about, somebody that's important to me, somebody that I deeply respect if 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 they were to find out where i've been or who i've been with, it would make me uncomfortable that 's a guardrail that you ought to consider in your life. now, I want to go back to what I said earlier I want to say go back to this uh, this issue of compassion and, and you're saying, yeah, but yeah, but pastor, I hear what you're saying but If we if we abandon all these friends, we abandon all these friends. You know who they're going to have. I'm their designated driver. You know. Um, If if we abandon them all, what are we going to do? Can I just say that that these friends of yours, and sometimes you're going to feel the pinch because you can't go where they're going and doing what they're doing. These friends of yours, someday they're going to crash and they're going to need somebody on the other side of the guardrail that's going to be for, there for them, that's going to care about them. They're going to need somebody who didn't go where they d- went and do what they did that's going to be f- there for them when they have their crash. They're going to need you. that. You know how you save somebody that's dr- you know how you don't save somebody that's drowning, right? When somebody's drowning, you do not jump in the water unless you're a trained lifeguard to try to save the drowning person because then you get two drowning persons. What you need to do is stand on the dock and throw them a rope or throw them a pole you need to stay away from the dangerous area that they're in and be in a safe area where you can be there for them i have a friend by the name of john and john and i were in were in middle school together grade school together and john and i were i would just say we were besties you know i would go to his house and spend the night and he would come to mine and as we got older <coughs> john was a really good athlete joined the football team and and really um uh, got involved in a social group that that didn 't fit where my life was heading as a as a Christian. John went to church in his church and I went to mine, but more and more church waned, and the social group and the things that he was doing um, and John and I ended up going our separate ways we We liked each other. Um, but, but we, didn't, we just didn't have that much in common. John went on to play college football. He was a kicker for Augustana College when they won the national championship for Division Three school. He, his dad owned the Archway Cookie Factory in town. John was wealthy. Uh, John had everything going for him. John had the beautiful wife and uh, just headed off into life. And John, John became an alcoholic. John just, John just um, ended up crashing. He lost, he lost his spouse. There was another girl that I grew up with, and she grew up in church, and her life crashed. She went through several marriages and all of that. And then, you know, this thing happened called Facebook, and a lot of us who had lost touch with each other for years suddenly reconnected. And um, John, at some point, became my Facebook friend, and so did, so did Tammy. And in all of their brokenness, they ended up getting together out in California somewhere. And these two were both kind of broken and, and together. And I was training for a marathon, believe it or not. I know I don't look like it, but I'm a marathon runner. I'm in the heavyweight division, <laughs> but... Uh, He saw me training for a marathon, and he wrote me how inspiring it was to him because his life. And he kind of started telling me about the crash in his life, and conversation started, and then more conversation. Then he talked about being an alcoholic and uh, how he lost his marriage and how he was in recovery and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Yesterday, yesterday, I got an inbox from Tammy saying. I not have to cry when I say it. She said, I'm singing in the choir for the first time in 20 years tomorrow, and John's getting baptized. John's getting baptized. Had I just gone on the other side of the guardrail with him, I wouldn't have been much help to John. John needed some people that were not on the same side. And, and, I, and I, know, I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, you know, it's awkward. It means that there's going to be some times when it's uncomfortable and sometimes when I'm going to have to stand alone and sometimes when I can't go when I want to go. And, and I know all that. But let me just tell you something. You're in a group of people here today that there's some friends that want their lives to go in a similar direction than your life is going right now. And with no judgment and nothing but acceptance, we say we love you just as you are, and there's not one of us that's uh, that's not fallen off the cliff. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But together we're trying to move our lives in a good direction. I'm going to invite us to pray, and I just really feel like really feel like the Holy Spirit's talking to us today about just growing up, not just, not just growing large as a church. I, I'm not interested as much in how much wide we grow as, 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 as how deep we grow. So I'm going to invite us to Pray. I just sense the Holy Spirit here this morning in such a powerful way. Just to be honest with you, the, the life of Judy Bagwell is still just has me kind of mesmerized. I'm still in the glow of just the life of this been well lived. Who when I look at her life, I just don't have any marks that I can count against her but I just want to say I want my life to be lived in a way that Judy who was so accepting of everyone that she'd just be proud that that my life is moving in a positive direction and I'm becoming more loving and I'm becoming more mature and I'm becoming everything that God wants me to be in this place today and you're saying, Pastor, the Holy Spirit's dealing with me this morning. I promise I'm not going to put you on the spot today. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I I want my life to be protected and I want to move my life in a good direction. Would you just raise your hand in this building today if that's you, amen? Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. And now, Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, everyone in the sound of my voice right now, I pray that you would help us, Lord, in this all-important area of friendships friends that can make us or break us. Walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. We need you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for those today, Lord, that say, I want to I be on the right path. And we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. First of all, we just say, forgive us of our sins and We thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us and paying the price. Thank you for accepting us and loving us unconditionally. We just ask today, Lord God, that today would just be a fresh start. I give you my life, I give you my future, I give you my plans. I don't have it all together, but I confess today I need you and I commit to the journey In Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen. Amen. Could we just thank the Lord for those today that just made fresh starts with him today? Thank you, God. Thank you, God.